peace like a river. Peace like a river. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. I've entitled this message, Peace Like a River. And I'm going to ask Christoph to help me with a couple of little pictures, because I want to tell you something about these two pictures. And uh, I will tell you that uh, on Christmas Eve in our family, we have a tradition, and that is that we gather together and we exchange gifts. And the youngest grandchild is pictured here, and this is Winston. And Winston came and plunked down beside me, near the box of gifts, and he's four. And he said to me, Papa, I'm going to be a good boy. <laughs> and uh, that was good news for an evening of opening gifts. But as a good Papa, I took about 15 pictures of Winston. This is one, and there's one more. of when I said, look at these pictures of Winston. She said, well, honey, they all look the same. And I said, well, they don't really. I said, he's got different expressions and, you know, the way he held his head. She said, but, okay, but why did you take 15? I said, well, I just couldn't seem to stop taking pictures. <laughs> but I was thinking about the pictures of when, and I look at some of you this morning and you post pictures of your children, which I enjoy on Facebook, keep doing that, or of your family. But you'll see there's a little bit different expression here on him. But uh, this is sort of like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in many ways, the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit is, um, we can take each of them, love, joy, peace. This morning we're going to be looking at peace. But in many ways, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's one fruit with nine dimensions. We can pull them apart and we can look at each one. And you can take those away now if you would, please. Uh, even though I know you all want to see my youngest grandson, uh, it'll be distracting a bit. But I thought about this because it's really hard to preach a message on peace without thinking of gentleness, or in fact love, which seems to enfold everything together. Uh, but we're going to take an opportunity this morning to think a little bit about peace like a river. We can distinguish these particular aspects of the fruit, but we should always remember there's one fruit with these nine dimensions. So when we take one of them apart, we have to remember that we can't just take the one and keep it, even though there may be aspects of it that we'll want to work on one dimension of the fruit of the Spirit more than another, and ask God's blessing to produce that in us. I want us to remember that it's really tough to speak about just one without thinking about all the others. The word peace is something that we'll find all through the scriptures. And we'll find in the scriptures that Jesus said actually 
in the book of Matthew 5 and 9, that Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the peacekeepers, um, but I, I'm not going to be talking about the peacekeepers this morning. Peacekeeping is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, but that's not really going to be my focus this morning. But I will tell you that Paul, in writing to the Romans, and it's recorded in chapter 5, verse 1, says that we are justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have, through faith, we have peace with God. And because of that peace that God has made with us as human beings, the fruit of the evidence of peace flows by the power of His Holy Spirit in and through our lives. Um, Glenn last week talked about the proclamation of the angels. And you'll remember when they came to the shepherds, uh, one of the things that they said, and then they're accompanied by this great host, and Joe and others involved in music, sometimes we wonder, well, were the angels singing or were they just saying? I think the scripture says they were saying. It's interesting. But we think of angels singing. I'm sure they can do that too. But there's a proclamation of the angels. And different translators have it a little bit differently. But it says that the angels were saying, this great company of, an, of the heavenly host on that hillside uh, near Bethlehem to the shepherds showed him saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, often we think of this in terms of the Christ child, but it was of the one who would come, the deliverer. Uh, his name will be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Jesus, in his preparation to leave his disciples said something that I need to hear from the Lord every day and you probably need to hear from him as well. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it. Then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus whispering, Peace I give to you. I'd like to suggest that we can be very involved in peacemaking, and that's a sermon in itself. All of this can just roll out from one theme into another, but for the Christian, it's possible to be involved in peacemaking without really experiencing the gift of peace, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. One needs to meet the Prince of Peace, and from that relationship, get involved in peacemaking and peacekeeping. And not be action-oriented alone on the good things that God wants us to do. But to have that relationship with Him so that flowing into our lives, into our soul, that river is flowing. Romans 5.1 I've referred to, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the experience of the relationship with God allows us to experience peace with God. And we read about this when the scripture was read today in terms of the book of Philippians about letting our requests be made known to God. And there's a sentinel that will be sent to us. And I use this often in pastoral care of people who are in serious difficulty because 
It says, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving in your heart. And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds. And people in trouble need a sentinel over their emotional base, the seat of their being, their heart, the essence of who they are, the, the executive center of yourself. You need peace. You need the sentinel to come and stand guard because there are things that can flow into our hearts. There are things that flow out of our hearts. We need the guard of peace, but also in our minds, our thinking. God, guard our thinking. God, guard the emotional sense of who we are. God, guard our inner self with the guard of peace. I want to talk to you this morning just briefly that there is a river that flows from within when we receive the Holy Spirit, when, we're, when we come to know God through Jesus Christ, we are grafted in, we are sealed, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us is to produce fruit. And one of the aspects of the fruit is this peace. In John chapter 4, when Jesus met the woman at the well, that famous passage that we like to to look at in so many different dimensions, he said to her that the water that he was prepared to give her would be like a river. It would be like a wellspring from within. She'd never have to thirst again. A river that will spring up, a well that needs to flow. There is opportunity for you and for me to experience peace from within that will guard our hearts and our minds, regardless of the situation. As I looked through the scriptures in this whole area of peace, I was surprised that often the context of the scriptures with regard to peace had three different categories, and there may be many more. We won't have time in one place to look at them all, but there are three areas that I'd like us to think about. I want to suggest to you this morning that we need as individuals and as a community to be experiencing the fruit of peace in our lives, peace that's guarded. I need this in my life every day. The, the peace of God, the Spirit of God to work in my life, to be like a river from within that's going to produce peace. Because peace in my heart will allow what comes out of my mouth to honor God and my actions to honor God. Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth and your actions betray your heart. So what is within is going to come out. And I want to be guarded in my heart, and I know you do. You want the fruit of peace. Did you know that prior, those of you who understand this passage from Galatians, you will know that prior to the declaration, which begins with the word but, the fruit of the Spirit is, if you read a few verses before that, do you know what he's talking about? The acts of what? You know it. Somebody help us. It's not class time, but please tell me. <laughs> what comes before the declaration in Galatians chapter 5 but the fruit of the Spirit is what's above that passage. The acts, places, pardon? Yes, or, and with that comes 
please. Here it is. The acts of the sinful nature. So he says, what's in you already? What's in you already? And he talks about everything that's natural to the sinful nature. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. All kinds of sexual sin, all kinds of fits of rage, all kinds of dissension and envy and pride and all those things that are naturally part of the human nature. Then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. We have opportunity in the context of who we naturally are being born into this world to have another wonderful river flowing from within us and it's the river of love and joy and peace. It, it is interesting to note that in various places in Scripture where peace is talked about from the experience of God in one's life, the context of sin is also there. And for the Christian person, for me and for you, I want to ask us, I'll ask myself, how often do we have the opportunity or take the opportunity to confess our sins? Sin seems to be something that's getting a bad rap these days. I don't hear it preached about very often. I don't hear it talked about very often. I don't hear us talking about the need for us to confess the sins of commission or the sins of omission. I sometimes hear us rationalizing poor behavior. Or I hear us sometimes talking about, well, this was, it happened because of that or it happened because of this, I want to say quite clearly that confession is nothing more than agreeing with God on His perspective of what's gone on. Not rationalizing with God, or seeking to, but just agree with God about the sin. And sin can be everything from what we speak, how we act, where we're thinking, the practice of sin. A mentor of mine now with the Lord, Dallas Willard, had this question one time to us in class. He simply said, when do you plan to, when do you plan to stop sinning? When do you plan to stop sinning? It's an interesting question. We have dimensions of our life that we save for ourselves and rationalize sometimes. Agree with God today. You want the peace of God to flow, that river to flow? There might, be, there might be things that stop that from flowing, and one of the areas might be just the practice of sin in your life or in my life. Are we prepared to agree with God on His perspective, on our actions, our speech, our lack of action, and simply confess it and repent of it and get on with what He wants us to do? Sin. The acts of the sinful nature are, and he lists them all. Then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, I'm not going to list off all these sins and what we need to do. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, there's one prayer that God always answers in my life when I say, Lord, show me those areas in my life where I've sinned against you or others. And I'm surprised. Often it's a memory of a conversation I've had where I may have not even realized that I've offended another person. And I have to go back. It's not easy for us to admit that we're wrong. The Holy Spirit, if He's going to produce peace in us, 
wants us to confess our sin and to repent of it, to name it, deal with it, and let God deal with it. Scripture says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So sometimes an absence of peace in our life is just simply because we're practicing sin and we've made room for it. And we've justified it and we've rationalized it. Stop it! It's time to stop it. And to ask God to forgive us and give us a spirit of repentance. The other area that I looked at in the context of peace, which is amazing, not only peace of God, because in that text in Romans chapter 5, and our biblical scholars and our theologians will know that that whole area of what's gone on in terms of God reconciling humanity to himself, through Jesus Christ and the act of the cross, somebody paid the ultimate price for us to have peace with God. Jesus shed his precious blood that we can have peace with God. That relationship can be wonderful. We can come to our Father in heaven today knowing that it's okay for us to come. We have access. Peace with God, it's possible. But the area that stuns me in the scriptures with peace, as I've looked through them in this last week, is how many times the topic of peace comes up around the theme of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Paul said to the Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. <coughs> Do not take revenge. That's powerful teaching. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then to the Colossians, powerful words from chapter 3. Bear with each other. And sometimes we go, yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and forgive one another of any, if any of you has a grievance against someone. I don't like just to read some of those words some days. Those are hard words. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then here it is. Here's the punch. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So do you have any right to withhold forgiveness to someone else? No. In fact, it's a command. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.15 says, and this is right after those words, let, or allow, or permit, the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. Here, the peace of God is an arbitrator. He's going to rule in your heart, but we have to allow him. Forgiveness of another human being, and I want to say this very clearly, does not necessarily mean reunion. Do you understand? Please understand. To forgive only takes one. That's you and that's me. We can choose to forgive another person. But we may never be reconciled with that other person. And images of church where people will come to the front and the altar and they'll cry together as if nothing ever happened and get up and move away, that's not right. <coughs> The forgiveness of God for you and for me cost Jesus his life. 
And when I forgive another person, I'm setting them free, I'm releasing them into God's care, but I'm also setting myself free. And if I can, by God's grace and if I'm open to reconciliation, I can tell you there are people who have hurt me in my life that I've chosen to forgive. And I'm taking baby steps toward them in reconciliation. Do you understand? So to forgive is something that God creates in me. It's a command, but I have a desire to do it. Because his word says, live at peace as much as is possible and depends on you. But if I say, God, they don't deserve me to forgive them. I then am left with, well, did God, do I deserve to be forgiven by God? You know where this goes. This is tough teaching. It's hard. But the peace of God to rule in our hearts, a lot of it depends on are you willing to forgive the person who has hurt you? If your brother or sister sins against you, confront him or her. And if they repent, forgive them. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Now, the truth is, sometimes in my life I do not experience peace because I am clinging to my resentment and my bitterness. I cling to it. I make room for it. In fact, in my heart, I give it a prominent room. And if I'm with you for any length of time, I will tell you all about my resentment towards somebody else for what they've done to me. I know a story is told of a particular person who was robbed, he felt, of his retirement. Fifteen years after that happened in his life, whether he was in a taxi cab or whether he was in a hallway conversation, wherever he was with you, that's all he talked about. He was robbed from his retirement. It ate him up. His resentment, he, it, he gave it a room, he gave it a place, but it occupied everything. Christ wants to give you peace and allow you to release your bitterness and your resentment. What is forgiveness? Lewis Mead says, prominent psychologist Christian says, wishing the other person well is precisely what we do when we forgive. And he talks about ten steps toward forgiveness in his book, The Art of Forgiving, which I have used in pastoral work with students, with professors, with staff. Some, sometimes he says, people say, well, I'll just wait a little longer before I forgive. I'm just not quite ready. He says, it is risky to, it is risky to forgive too quickly. Interesting. To make light of it, to not really do it. It is even more hazardous to wait too long. If we wait too long to forgive, our rage settles in and claims squatters' rights to our souls. Our resentment gets into our bloodstream, and it is as hard to get out as a spoonful of ink from a glass of water. We become the pain we feel. I don't want that in my life. You don't need it or want it in yours. 
the peace of God can flow like a river when we forgive. The last area that occurs to me in Scripture, and there could be many sermons on any of these, I am noticing as I look at the topic of peace and the gift or the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of peace often comes in times of trial or trouble or the need to trust God in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. If we just went seat by seat and you had time, every one of us in the room could talk about a difficult experience in our life. Difficult decision making, difficult times of perhaps persecution, difficult times of trial and trouble and illness and all the stuff that comes to us. And God wants to bring the fruit of peace through it all. Some of you this morning could even be, you may find yourself, well, I got the sin thing taken care of. I did that here before I came to chapel. I confessed and the Lord and I are good. And the forgiveness thing, well, I think I'm okay on that one too. But you might find yourself in the midst of trial and trouble and afraid today. And the account of Jesus on the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee with the disciples and the storm comes up, seasoned fishermen, just think about this. There are lobster fishermen on the south shore I know who go out. There are many people I know who go out. I can't imagine some of these people, when they get worried, I don't like to fly. Those of you who know me know I, I'm afraid to fly. I've had to overcome a fear of flying in order to do my job. I've talked to pilots. I said to one pilot at the end of a flight that was particularly difficult and he said, uh, yeah, that one was a little more difficult. I didn't want you to tell me that. <laughs> I wanted you to tell me, oh, well, it's okay, it's normal. I was happy recently when one pilot told me about the 747. He said, you can put ten of them on top of each other and the wings are okay. I said, great, that's what I need to know. <laughs> Where does the peace of God enter into our fears? Well, and we don't have time to get into it, but do you realize that when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he probably was reminding them of something that they already knew. About the time when he and Silas were in jail. Remember that? Midnight came, and what were they doing? In the deepest, they were singing. In the deepest, darkest, or not jungle, but the deepest. <laughs> it probably felt like, were there big wild animals around? I don't know. What's it like to be alone in the darkness or even to have somebody else there with you when you're just in a panic? But they weren't. They weren't. They were singing praises to God. The earthquake comes. They're all free. You know what happened. Then he tells them, because at the time of writing the book of Philippians, there was a lot of persecution of Christians. We're seeing this everywhere in the media today. We become almost used to it when people are being murdered at the hands of some group. Christians aren't exempt from this. And Paul wrote to them, and the book of Philippians is all about that. I, I love it. I just don't love persecution. And neither do any of us. But he said to them that um, if they would let their requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, there would be a guard for them. It might not be a guard that would, protect them, that would protect them from being hurt. I can't stand at this pulpit as your president and tell you as a believer, you'll always be protected. I cannot tell you that where you go and serve Christ, that you'll never suffer any physical harm. I can't tell you that your children won't. I can't tell you that your spouse won't. I can't tell you that you'll never lose your life on this earth for serving Christ. But I can tell you that there is a promise of peace. And 
It's not a fake kind of peace. It's real. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to produce a deep shalom of calm in your heart. The deepest essence of your being is going to guard you. Guard you, and here was the point. The day that Jesus said, hush or peace to the winds, he also rebuked his disciples. Did you ever wonder about that? Why would he rebuke the disciples? He wasn't cranky for being woken up. <laughs> he said, he rebuked them. He said, oh you of little faith. I bet they were sad. They questioned. See, what I want in my life when I'm flying on that plane 42,000 feet and it drops and Anthony goes back and forth to New Zealand all the time, I go, good for you, Anthony. <laughs> I want when that plane is dropping or if it goes down, I want to be able to say, I'm trusting you, Lord. Because here's the point, what Jesus was saying to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, you folks don't get it. You are still safe even if the ship goes down. Your life is secure. Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. You can contribute to that by confessing your sins and repenting for them. You can contribute to that by truly choosing to forgive the person that you are giving place to in your heart that occupies that space that could actually overcome you if you don't deal with it. You can have the joy of the fruit of the spirit of peace if this morning you choose to give all of life's circumstances to God. All those possible awful things and let him be the sentinel over your life. Now I think that's good news. I need that in my life, and I think probably you do too. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's pray. Lord, would you whisper to us this morning, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Thank you.